right, uh, I, I got a question for you this morning. She told me to say that, and uh, <laughs> we could use more mentors because there are more students. And if you just want to spend one hour a week really touching somebody's life, I, I hope you'll do that. There's a table in the back after the service. Go back to the table and find out all about it and what you'd have to do. Got a question. Has anybody ever asked you a question that you didn't want to be asked? A question that made you stop and think about what you didn't want to think about? When I was a sophomore in high school, uh, I was at football practice, and uh, we were tired, I was tired, and, and you know, we were running all these plays, run it again, run it again, I was tired, and I ran one of the plays, and I came back to the huddle, and Joe Bailey, who was a senior and the captain of the team in All-State, said, Ron, is that the best you can do? I'll be having my physical in a few weeks, and I go to Dr. I Have No Bedside Manner. <laughs> and he's going to ask me, are you exercising? <laughs> Early in our marriage, Donna said, asked me, she said, do you really love and cherish me? which being interpreted as, do you love me as much as you love yourself? You know, we don't like those kinds of questions, do we? And we want to ignore them. We don't even want to think about them. But there are some questions that we really need to ask. And this summer, we've been going through the Gospel by Mark, and our question is, is he worthy? And we've looked at all kinds of things. Is he worthy of this? Is he worthy of that? And friend, that's the ultimate question of your life. Is Jesus worthy? So as we come to the end of our study today, I hope it's been good for you. Uh, we're we're going to look at three chapters today where we're going to kind of survey them, starting in Mark chapter 14, asking one more time, is he worthy? So chapter 14 and verse 1, if you have your Bible, you can turn, or on your uh, U version, on your uh, electronic device, or it'll be up on the screen. But we read this. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread was only two days away. It's two days before Jesus is going to be arrested, uh, tortured, and crucified. So you can just imagine what's going on in his heart and mind knowing all that. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. And it's how ironic because, see, these were the religious leaders uh, in Israel, and they claimed to be looking for the Messiah, and when God sent him, they rejected him. You know, during those three years of ministry, Jesus healed thousands of people. Thousands of people. He raised some people from the dead. He rose from the dead himself to prove that he was indeed the Messiah. But how many followers were left after his crucifixion? 120. Only 120 of the 
thousands of people that he had ministered to. You know, the world today calls Jesus a great moral teacher. And I've heard so many people say, well, you know, I don't really know if he was the son of God. And rising from the dead, no, that didn't really happen. But he was a great moral teacher. And Jesus made those audacious claims. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I'm the only begotten son of God. And here's, here's one. No one comes to God the Father except through me. Jesus said that. You know, I just want to ask you, I mean, are those claims true? A lot of people say, well, no, they're not, they're not true, okay? But he was a great moral teacher. Well, if they aren't true, then he was lying. And liars aren't great moral teachers. Some will say, well, he was just deluded. You know, he was a lunatic. Well, deluded people, people who are deluded are not great moral teachers. So if, if Jesus' claims are really true, we should be bowing before him as sovereign Lord. And I just want to say this to you as well, that you really ought to ignore what most other people say about Jesus. It's what you do with Jesus that determines your eternal destiny. And I don't think you want to stand before God one day and say, well, my professor said that Jesus was not really your son, and he didn't really rise from the dead. What you decide, what you do with Jesus determines your eternal destiny. And so th that's the issue then, all right? Is he really the son of God? Is he, is he worthy to be the son of God? Is he worthy to be the one and only way to God? That's the ultimate question. Is he worthy? There's no more important question you will ever answer in your life. Is Jesus worthy of my giving him everything? Of him being my everything? So I want us to go through just the last four chapters, three chapters, excuse me, and I just want to pick out four reasons. There are hundreds of reasons that we could look at, but I want to look at some of these reasons today, and the first one is, is this. Jesus is rejected. He was then, he still is today, okay? The majority of the world does not follow Jesus, all right? Does not believe that he's the Son of God or the only way to God. Jesus is rejected by the world, but he is reaching down to you. He's reaching down to you. John 1 tells us this. Jesus came into his own world, the world he created, but even his own nation didn't accept him. But a few do accept him and put their faith in him, and he gives them the right to become children of God. <laughs> wow. Is he worthy of everything? Mark 14.3 is going to tell us a story about a person who did believe that Jesus was worth everything. Mark 14.3. While he was in Bethany, again, this is right before, before he's going to be crucified. While Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? 
it could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Now, just I think really we kind of need to understand a few things. This was not a little bottle of perfume that you bought at Walmart for $19.95. Okay? This was expensive. Do you know what alabaster, it says the jar was made of alabaster. You know what alabaster is? I thought it was a tree. I thought it was wood. Hey, I'm not too bright, okay? I learned, I'm still learning, all right? Alabaster is a stone. It's a soft stone that can be carved, can be etched. And so she brought a little jar, but very valuable jar one that had been carved, one that had been etched, one that had been made into a jar to hold nard. Nard is a very, very expensive perfume. And she poured it out on Jesus. Now, you see, back in her day, they didn't, she didn't have a 401k. This was probably her life savings. This was probably, in one sense, all she had. And she poured it out on Jesus. And they were indignant. Verse 6, Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you judging her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. And see, Jesus wasn't belittling given to the poor. He did it all the time himself. He encourages us to do that. He was just saying, do not judge and criticize this woman who decided that I was worthy of her of everything. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. And truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the whole world, what she has done will be told also in memory of her. And that's why we're reading it here today, 2,000 years later. Because God wanted us to honor, God wanted to honor her in that way. Because see, she wrestled with the question, is Jesus worth everything of me? Is he worth everything we are? Is he worth everything we do? Is he worth everything we have? Do you ever think about the fact that you didn't create all the stuff you have? God did. God created what you have. And when you die, <laughs> you give it all up. And God will give it to somebody else to use. And we were talking about this last week. Do you know God's word says very, very clearly that one day everything on earth is going to be burned up. Every earthly thing will be burned up. Burned up. The, the house that you have uh, put hundreds of thousands of dollars into is going to be a pile of ashes. The, the cars that <clears throat> you drive and you love are going to be just uh, rusted uh, metal, heap of metal. Really? One day, everything on earth will be burned up. Everything except what you invest in eternal things. Now, just want to say, 
Jesus is probably not going to ask you to give, to sell everything you have and give it away. Jesus told one man to do that. And the reason he did was because this man loved riches. And Jesus knew it, and he was challenging with that. Jesus didn't tell this woman to do that. She, she did it of her own accord. But if Jesus were to tell you to sell everything and give it away, whoa. Uh, incidentally, if he does, I can give you my bank account number, and we can have a little transaction there, all right? If Jesus tells you to do that, just let me know, and we'll work it all out. We'll help you in the process, all right? Of course, I'm being facetious. But let me ask that question again. If Jesus did ask you to sell everything and give it away, would you? I'm afraid I'd say no way. Uh, mm, can't do that. No way. You know, I thought about that. You know what? That means that Jesus is not worth everything to me. And I want him to be. I want him to be because that's the best decision I could ever make. That Jesus is worth my everything. Is the one who gave you everything worthy of your everything? He is. Now we're going to jump to chapter 14, verse 43. They've finished the last supper and Jesus takes the disciples out to the garden of uh, Gethsemane and, and they pray and then he comes back and he's talking to them and verse that's where we pick up in verse 43 just as Jesus was finished speaking Judas one of the twelve he appeared with him was a crowd armed with, sw with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests the teachers of the law and the elders now the betrayer, Judas, had arranged a signal. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. And going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi. And then he kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. I, I bet <coughs> there are many of you, if not all of you, that have thought, how in the world could Judas have followed Jesus for three years and then betray him? I mean, in those three years, he would have seen Jesus heal thousands of people. He would have seen Jesus love people that were unlovable. He would have seen all kinds. How in the world could Judas have betrayed the Son of God? And I think there are two main reasons that the Bible suggests. Number one, he really wanted, he was a revolutionary. He wanted Jesus to drive out the Romans that occupied Israel at that time. He wanted the Messiah to come and set up an earthly kingdom. And he wanted to be secretary of the treasurer of this kingdom too. Judas wanted Jesus to do what Judas wanted, not what God wanted. And, and the reality is, you know, for, for all of us, we have wants that are not what God wants. We all do. We, we think, well, oh, this will be good for me. No, it wouldn't. 
Oh, I hope this happens. No, you don't really, because you don't know what it'll lead to. We all have wants that are not what God wants. And unfortunately, those could make us do some terrible things like Judas. And so that was the first reason. He, he wanted what he wanted. The second thing is Judas loved money. But I was very clear about that. And, and God's word warns us how, how, how dangerous it can be to love money. In fact, it says, what's the root of all evil? The love of money. Not money itself. Loving it. Letting it become our God. And it just, if it is, it will lead to all kinds of evil. So we, we, it's easy for us to, to, to know how terrible it was for one of Jesus' own disciples to betray him. But it wasn't just Judas, was it? When the mob came to arrest Jesus, verse 51 says, Then everyone, all of his followers, the, the rest of the disciples, everyone deserted him and fled. And friend, that's the second reason why Jesus is worthy of your everything. Because Jesus was deserted. But he will never desert you. That's what he said. I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, the reality is that all of us have deserted Jesus from time to time in our lives. There are times when we leave Jesus out of our lives. Times when we leave him out of our plans. We, we make plans, we don't even pray and ask God. There are times when we know he wants us to do something, but we don't do it. There, there are times when we know he doesn't want us to do something, and we do it, right? Hey, we're all guilty. We've all done that. We desert him. And, and now, in our culture, with our busy lives, I mean, we, we just run all the time. With our busy lives, we desert him when we just squeeze him right out of our schedule. When we, when we don't take the time to pray, when we, when we don't take time to, to read the message God has sent to us, his love letter to us, we just squeeze him right out of our schedule. We don't come to worship on the Lord's Day sometimes because we just want to do something else. Or we've had a busy week. Oh, we need to sleep in. There are times when all of us, we, we, we desert the Lord in that way. Is the Lord who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Is the Lord who, it's Jesus who, who knows we desert him at times. We ignore him. We're too busy for him. We're too busy with other things. But he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Is a Lord like that worthy of putting first in our life or squeezing out of our lives? Is he worthy? Yes, he's worthy. He's the Son of God. Let's jump to chapter 14, verse 66. What happened? They, the crowd came, the mob came, took Jesus, took him to a a kangaroo court, an illegal trial held overnight in the middle of the night. And so in verse 66, 
Peter makes his way. He deserted Jesus. He'd fled, but he knew where they'd taken Jesus, so he snuck into the court, the courtyard. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls at the high priest came by. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You were with the Nazarene, Jesus, weren't you? But he denied it. I, I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, that fellow is one of them, and again he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you're one of them, for you're a Galilean. We can tell by your accent. You're from Galilee. You're one of his followers. And this time, verse 71 says, Peter began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know that man you're talking about. And friend, we don't have to curse to deny Jesus. We can deny him by our silence. When was the last time you told someone that you were a follower of Jesus. You know, some of us have become so afraid to do that. And in a sense, we're just really denying that we know him or follow him. But friend, even though you and I at times deny him, he will never deny or desert us. Jesus worthy of us not being ashamed of, he, of him. He's not ashamed of us. Let's go to chapter 15. They bound Jesus. They led him away and handed him over to Pilate. Verse 16, the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, the praetorium. They called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns and rammed it on his head. They began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! And again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff. They spit on the Son of God. They fell on their knees. They mocked and paid homage to him. And then when they mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him, and then they led him out to crucify him. Friends, Jesus was condemned to die. Never, he had never sinned. He had not committed any crime. He died not for his sins, he died for my sins. He died for our rebellion against Almighty God. He, the Son of God, died in our place. And as a result, God says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, because of what my son did for you, there is no condemnation, no judgment for those who belong to Christ Jesus. All because of what Jesus did for us. That's the third reason. Jesus was condemned. But he won't condemn you if you belong to him. 
Many of you know John 3.16, for God so loved the world. It's the story of God's word. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know verse 17? God did not send his son into the world to condemn us. He sent his son into the world to save us. Jesus was condemned, but he will not condemn us. What if you were charged with murder? What what if you were on trial, but it was a sham, and false witnesses were brought against you, and you were convicted of murder, and you did not do it, and then you were condemned to die? Would you be outraged? Absolutely, I would. Jesus did that for you. He wasn't guilty. He was sinless. He died for sinners like you and me. He's a king like that who died in our place, who died for us, his subjects. (laughs) Is he worthy? Is he worthy of our love? Is he worthy of our obedience? Is he worthy of anything and everything that we give to him? Absolutely. He is worthy. Mark 16. He's crucified. He was in the grave for three days. Verse 1, when the Sabbath was over, it's Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus and James and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they're on their way to the tomb and and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? They couldn't. It would have weighed one or two tons. But when they looked up at the tomb, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been already rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus. He was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. Come. See the place where they laid him. See the place where they laid him. That was the first of many proofs that Jesus gave to his followers, to the people of Jerusalem, that he had indeed risen. Jesus appeared to more than 500 people after his resurrection and before his return to heaven. And those eyewitnesses, many of them were crucified like Jesus because they refused to deny that he had not risen. The first of many, many proofs that he is alive. Friend, he's risen. He's risen. The world can say, well, that just doesn't happen. Well, it happened because this was the Son of God. He's risen. And he promises to raise you also. John, uh, Jesus had said to his disciples back in the upper room while they were gathered for the Last Supper, and it's recorded in John 14, verse 9, he told his disciples before long, just hours in fact, the world will not see me anymore, 
but you're going to see me. And because I live, you will live also. Because I am going to rise from the dead, I am going to raise you also to be with me forever and ever in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus just didn't rise. He didn't rise just for himself. He rose for you. He rose because he wants to raise you and take you to his eternal home. When I was a senior in high school, I was sitting in the lunchroom, and Jed was sitting across from me. And I don't know what prompted this remark, why it came out, what started, what the flow of the conversation was, but I remember Jed saying this. Well, since Jesus died for our sins, I was quite taken back. I'd never heard Jed talk about the Lord before. He said, since Jesus died for our sins, let's make the most of them. Since Jesus died for our sins and he's willing to forgive us, let's just live any way we want to. We don't have to avoid sin. We can sin, then we can go ask Jesus to forgive us. Is that following Jesus? Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 says this. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more of his wonderful grace? That's, that's what Jed was saying. Hey, get more grace that way. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. That says so much. Let's just talk about it. One, it talks about, hey, when we're baptized, we're, we're in a sense, dying with Christ. We, we go under the water. That's a picture of Jesus Christ taking on the sins of the world and being buried in a grave. But we come out. Again, it's, a, it's an act where we publicly and physically and literally declare to the world what has taken place in us spiritually. That we want to die to sin. We don't want to follow our sinful desires anymore. We want to follow Jesus Christ. And when we declare that publicly in our baptism. And we are joined with Christ to live what verse 5 says, or verse 4, with new lives. And then the promise to us, Jesus says to us, listen, because I live, you will live also. Because I was raised from the dead, I will raise you also to live with me forever and ever. And so the question is, is the Jesus who died for us worthy of us living for him? 
is Jesus who rose from the dead and promised to raise those who follow him, is he worthy? Is he worthy of you giving your life to? Everything you are, everything you do, everything you have, is he worthy of that? He is worthy. He is worthy. You will never be disappointed in giving your all to Jesus. The woman gave maybe her life savings. They said it was at least uh, 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 worth uh, a whole year's wages. Okay? That's a lot of money, right? She poured it out on Jesus. Everybody there said, what a waste. But there was one person there who said it was not a waste. Who was that? The Son of God. The Son of God. And for the past 2,000 years, that woman has been with Jesus in heaven. The Bible says to be absent from the body when we die is to be present with the Lord if we follow him. Do you think at any, time, at any point in time in those past 2,000 years being in God's heaven, she said, oh, I wish I'd have kept that perfume. Do you think there's ever been a time when she said, oh, you know, I wish I hadn't given my all? Of course not. Of course not. Why? Because Jesus was worthy. One day you and I will have no problem answering that question if we're in heaven. But we need to ask it today. Is Jesus worthy? Is he worthy of my everything? Whatever he asks me to do, is he worthy of that? Absolutely. Absolutely, because he is the Son of God. Shall we pray? Father, I ask you to help us. To help us to see Jesus Christ the way you see him, Father. As the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who died for our sins. And as the King of kings and Lord of lords who will rule forever in your heaven. He is worthy. He is worthy. And Father, you ask us to make him worthy of our everything right now in this life. Because it certainly will be in the life to come. And friend, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Jesus is coming back one day. He said, when he went up to heaven, he said, I'm going to return just like, just like I'm leaving right now. One day I'm coming back for you. Are you absolutely sure that Jesus will come back for you? He wants you to be. He wants you to follow him. He wants to lead you through heaven's gates. There's no other way to get there. He died for your sins. He died for mine. Embrace him as your savior. But don't stop there. Make him your Lord because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy of any sacrifice. He's worthy of every act of obedience. He's worthy. And you'll have eternity to thank him and praise him for that. Father, help us. Help us to crown Jesus Lord of our life and make him worthy of everything we have for your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.